Spherical Cow Hello there and welcome back to Spherical Cow. So last time we began to look at cosmic microwave background radiation and this week we will continue looking at the same period in history um, of the universe. So we're still talking about 380,000 years after the Big Bang but I'm going to focus on sound instead. Great, I uh, can't wait. So the floor's all yours Nana. Thanks Olivia. So before um, 380,000 years after the Big Bang, I mentioned that the universe was kind of this plasma of positively charged nuclei and electrons, and those photons were just being constantly scattered between the free electrons because they're really good at scattering light. And you can treat this whole, um, the universe at this time as something known as like a, a photon baryon fluid because the light is, I think you'd say it's strongly coupled to the matter because it's just being scattered in between. It's not able to freely flow as, as we've discussed. Um, so because of inflation and um, because of those quantum fluctuations set down which then got magnified during inflation at the universe during um, at this time around just so we're talking about just before 380,000 years after the Big Bang there are these areas in the universe which are slightly more dense and in those over dense regions because there's slightly more matter there that means the pull of gravity is slightly stronger so they can pull more matter into themselves so you basically get in these slight over densities these over densities attract more matter into them and we're not just talking about normal matter here we're also talking about dark matter because as we've discussed in previous episodes, we know there must also be this mysterious thing called dark matter in the universe. And um, dark matter doesn't interact with um, electromagnetism. That means it doesn't interact with light. So it's not doing any of the scattering. This is the only the free electrons at this time are scattering all the light. So basically these over-dense regions, um, because the, there are these density fluctuations in the universe and you have these slight over-dense regions, these over-densities are pulling matter towards them. And um, that's by like gravity, by gravitational attraction. But as you pull the matter in closer and closer together, the normal matter, because it's getting like being compressed into this tiny space, you start to get this thing called radiation pressure because of all those um, photons of light which are being scattered between all the free electrons and the normal matter. Um, that creates a pressure outwards, which is kind of it's like a tug of war between the gravity trying to pull everything inwards and the um, the radiation pressure trying to pull everything outwards and that that push and pull between those two um, forces creates acoustic waves creates these oscillations basically this sound and this sound is kind of emanating from these over densities in the form of these spherical shells of um, of, of matter and photons moving away from the overdensity. So you've basically got sound being emitted from these points and the sound waves are also also taking some matter and photons with them and they're moving out from this point of really, really dense, um, this really dense point. Um, but it's important to note that whilst the matter and the photons, the normal matter is coming out with this sound wave, the dark matter is staying in the middle because dark matter doesn't interact with light, which means that it's just being gravitationally pulled inwards into the like middle of this over density whereas the um the matter in the photons because of that radiation pressure um is is able to this to move outwards um 
so at 3000 kelvin oh sorry before i, I before i get onto that i should mention that at this um at this time just before we get to this this critical condition because of the um because of the photons being constantly exchanged between the free electrons in the, in the normal in the normal matter the speed of sound is actually really 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 high at this point it's actually half the speed of light it's around 57% of the speed of light so we've got really really fast sound waves being emitted but then at 300,000 Kelvin, so at 380,000 years after the Big Bang, um, as we've mentioned, the plasma, the positive nuclei and the electrons were finally able to combine to form neutral atoms. And because those photons aren't being constantly scattered anymore, they're not constantly being scattered between the free electrons, the, the photons all kind of just move away, move away from the overdensities and um, they kind of um, just, um, just leave the area. And because they're no longer there, it greatly reduces the speed of sound to only like a couple hundred um, meters per second. So whilst we were originally at like half the speed of light, we've just suddenly gone really quickly. Um, when these neutral atoms formed, we've just suddenly gone down to a much slower speed of sound. And because of that, those sound waves, which I said were emanating from these overdensities, just suddenly kind of stall. They were coming really quickly in like these spheres. If you imagine a point and these spheres of sound waves coming out really quickly, but then they suddenly get to the point where neutral atoms form and they just slow down and it's like much much slower than they were traveling before and because of that you get some really um interesting um like patterns that we observe today so um i think you'd obviously expect that because there was all that dark matter being pulled into the center of the overdensity you'd expect that nowadays you'd probably find lots of galaxies at that point because over time you'd pull more and more matter into that center of the overdensity but Interestingly, where the where that spherical shell of um, of like the matter and photons moving out got frozen at um, at the time when neutral atoms formed and started moving way slower, you'd also expect there to be lots of galaxies kind of in a in a ring or in a sphere i guess around the original point because if it's traveling so much slower when it gets to that 300,000 kel um sorry 3000 kelvin point then lots of matter there's lots of matter in a ring kind of traveling slowly away from the overdensity so nowadays when you look up at the sky you obviously if basically you take pairs of galaxies you expect lots of galaxies to be really close together because that's kind of you'd expect galaxies to cluster together and so you'd expect there to be you'd find lots of galaxies all in the center of these overdensities but you also find lots of galaxies in like a ring around the overdensity so this other distance between lots of pairs of galaxies is to do with how fast sound was traveling before those neutral atoms formed and i mentioned that the speed of sound was really quick before 380,000 years after the big bang sound was actually traveling at around half the speed of light so to find the distance that sound waves were able to travel um, before they were kind of frozen in place and remember lots of normal matter and photons were also being carried with this waves and um, with these waves so to find how far this normal matter traveled you basically do the speed of sound at this time so that would be half the speed of light multiplied by 380,000 years and basically this is the distance that the sound waves were able to travel before essentially being frozen in place um, when those neutral atoms formed and um, they were kind of frozen because the speed of sound suddenly slowed down as I mentioned. I see that's crazy that you can still see those rings of that moment when it suddenly slowed down. Yes exactly it's really cool. Um, so at the time when sound waves suddenly froze they had travelled a distance of around 500,000 light years away from the center of the overdensity mm -hmm. um, so basically this number comes from 
doing that multiplication I just mentioned, if you convert everything into the correct units, you get around this answer of 500,000 light years. Um, but we need to account for the fact that the universe has actually expanded, expanded a lot since then by around a factor of a thousand. So nowadays, if you look into the sky, you do actually find a slight, like, um, like you find this bump, but you find this excess of, you actually find lots of pairs of galaxies at, um, it would be 500 million light years away from each other now, because they were originally 500,000 light years away, and over time, over... Um, the expansion of the universe. Exactly, so that... They spread out a bit more. Yeah, exactly, so that length, I think it's called the sound horizon, has been magnified to 500 million light years. So then when you do a survey of the survey of the galaxies looking at different pairs, how far away they are, you obviously find lots of them really close together, but you also find a slight bump at 500 million light years. So I just think that's really cool how the stuff going on at 380,000 years after the Big Bang has determined the patterns that we see in our universe today. That's crazy that you can still see how they formed. It's just amazing. Yeah, and it's also, it's, it's more complicated than I've um, made it because... I've been talking about just this one over density, but you've got you have to remember that there were density fluctuations all over the universe in the early universe. So you're going to have lots of over densities like really close together. So that makes it much more confusing nowadays because it's kind of everything's overlapping. It's like having lots of pebbles in the water and everything's. So it's very hard to decode. So all like, the circles and ripples, kind of like exactly. When you're trying to find out the individual circles. That must be quite a difficult job. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's it's really cool how scientists have been able to um, realize this connection and um, I have one more cool thing to talk about <laughs> so um, not only were these like these shells of um, the the like the matter the the sound waves it kind of got frozen at the point when neutral atoms formed you not only froze the sound waves themselves but you also kind of froze them in the in the phase that they were so you know like a wave can be like a peak or a trough or mm -hmm. something in between so when neutral atoms formed some of the some of the sound waves might have been at a at a peak some of them might have been at like a um like zero so i think the 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 like oscillations we're talking about here is in density so whereas like the oscillations of light are in electromagnetism and the oscillations in sound are to do with pressure differences here the oscillations we're talking about are to do with density so when the um when the sound wave got frozen at 380,000 years after the big bang um you might find it in the, if you find it in one of its extremes at like a really high density or a really low density then those are what get those are what you can see on the cosmic microwave background because because those extremes are the things that determine the kind of the temperature variation so those are basically the important ones that you want to look at and um there's something called the um power spectrum of the cosmic microwave background and um that's basically it's kind of like it looks at the different fluctuations on the cosmic microwave background map and it looks at their size and like and relates to how much um how many of the fluctuations have that certain size um so when you look if you look at this power spectrum you actually see there's around three clear peaks and then lots of lots of smaller peaks on the side and that first peak that's kind of like if if you if you know standing waves olivia mm -hmm. or you have like a fundamental harmonic so that's when um that's like the lowest possible pitch you can have but because you lots of different wavelengths of sound could fit into that same let's say we're talking about a pipe you can get lots of higher harmonics as well yes yeah with more standing waves yeah with more yeah exactly with more wavelengths inside the same fixed region so it's kind of like it's like that kind of idea if you look at the power spectrum you'll basically look at looking at different harmonics of those sound waves so they've all tra they've all traveled that 
um, they've all traveled that same distance, but depending on how dense the original overdensity was, you can have different frequencies and different wavelengths. So essentially what this power spectrum of the cosmic microwave background is showing is kind of, um, it's kind of like a harmonic series. And I think the peaks in this um, harmonic series on this graph basically correspond to um, the spots or the fluctuations on the cosmic microwave background map um, because all of this physics we've been talking about, all of these acoustic waves have actually left an imprint on the cosmic microwave background map. It's so cool because the first peak on the power spectrum, if you measure it, um, you can basically measure the size of the fluctuations on the cosmic microwave background map and you, if you do some, it's kind of like trigonometry, if you, if you look at their size you'd expect them like their angular size, so how big they look in terms of an angle on the sky, and you can do some trigonometry and say, oh, that must mean it's this size. In those calculations, you actually assume that the universe is flat, and what I mean by that is that um, angles in a triangle add up to 180, I mean that parallel lines stay parallel, whereas there are other different types of geometries which scientists thought the universe could have, so that could be something like um, spherical geometry, so if you imagine a sphere, if you look at the equator and you imagine two lines at the equator which are initially parallel, by the time they reach the top of the sphere they're going to have met by now, so that that's known as positively curved, and then you also have hyperbolic um, geometry so that's um that's kind of like the saddle shape um and that would be when light rays um sorry that's that would be when parallel lines diverge but anyway that sorry that was quite long but anyway no so 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 that's really cool so you're talking about kind of geometry where straight lines are like restricted to the surface of a sphere and yeah. suddenly the angles in a triangle add up to more than 180 that's really cool yes exactly yeah so um if you look at the if you use this first peak on the power spectrum and you, and you take some measurements because they agree with like your theoretical prediction of how how large they should be, and um, basically you can do some calculations and see if it agrees with the theory. Because we get that agreement, um, we know that the universe must be flat because our calculations wouldn't work if you can't you can't make the calculations if the universe isn't flat. And the fact that the calculations agree with observations must mean that assuming the universe is flat was the right way of doing it so ah, i see some kind of proof yeah 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 <laughs> sorry that was quite a long way um long-winded way of explaining it but basically that first peak tells us the universe is flat which is really good because that must be some seriously important evidence that's really cool yeah I, exactly and it's it is really important because it tells us that the universe the mass and energy in the universe must have a specific value um something known as the critical density and by using the other peaks on the power spectrum i mentioned you have a second peak and a third peak and um, lots more peaks but it's a bit more complicated how they do use those peaks but after more calculations you can determine that the the second peak tells you that there must be five percent of all the matter and energy in the universe must be normal matter and the third peak tells you about the relative amount of dark matter to normal Whoa, matter that's so cool so from this one power spectrum you can like learn so much Exactly. You've got so much information. So you know that the universe is flat, which means the matter and energy in the universe must be equal to this value called the critical density. And that means that you know, and then from the next couple of peaks, you know that there must be 5% normal matter, 26% dark matter. And that tells you if, if it has to be equal to um, the critical density, you know that 69% of the leftover has to be another substance. And that, and that other substance is dark energy. So I think I mentioned this in a couple a long time ago when we talked about dark energy, but it's kind of interesting to see where the measurements come from, I guess. But I thought that's so cool. There's so many things that happened at 380,000 years after the Big Bang have had such a big effect on 
the universe we see today which I think is really cool that is amazing just so much information so much like groundbreaking information comes from this one power graph thing that's amazing exactly so the cosmic microwave background is basically really really cool and really good at telling us lots of interesting things thanks Nina that was so so interesting amazing stuff so that wraps up the cosmic microwave background radiation period in our recounting of the beginning of the universe. Yes, and next time we will be looking at how our universe evolved from this point, and I'll be talking about the cosmic dawn and the formation of the very first stars. Oh, great. Sounds really interesting. Looking forward to it. But it's goodbye for now. From Spherical Cow. Spherical cow.